This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome to a Friday edition of One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Radio only today in Buffalo and Rochester as uh, we are out of the studio with uh, us pretty much working from home in two different places. And uh, Steve, I don't know if we want to start the competition now. How much snow do you have? Uh, Three feet, probably. You win. Uh, yeah. I've I've got maybe two, just about yeah. two feet. I'm <laughs> I'm thigh deep in snow, and neck deep in guests. That's they right. Came in, they came in for the Cleveland game, and the game's not here. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> yes, the game is not here. So what the heck are you going to do with twenty four people in your house? Well, we're having, we're making the most of it. It's fun. We're at, it's great. It's a snow day. I mean, and we got we got plenty. Of, we got tailgate food everywhere. We got enough other things going on it's just yeah it's fun it's like a yeah it's fun we got the neighborhoods coming over this afternoon we'll probably have a watch party to on sunday i say tomorrow but it's going to be sunday um yeah you make the best of it what can you do i know there are other people who are worried you know we had gotten calls from listeners about Leon and people on twitter like hey i'm coming up to the game what do i do um i guess the answer is either go to detroit or stay home yeah, I did see that the Browns are actually bussing to Detroit. It's a short drive. Yeah, it is. It's actually Cleveland is actually closer to Detroit than it is to Buffalo. So I would estimate it can't be much more than a two hour drive for them. Yeah. And, you know, why would you hop on a plane? It'll be interesting so, to see if Cleveland fans make that trip. Uh, they might. They might. I mean, they're closer than we are. So. Yeah. You know, and the stadium's wide open for ticket availability. So, right. And it's it, the way they did it last time as well. I was a sideline reporter, so I got a firsthand view of it. It was concert seating, there were no assigned seats. The general admission? Yeah. You just walk in, grab a seat, sit down. Um, so, there was a little bit of that. You know, if you came down and got a front row seat and on the rail and you had to go to the bathroom, you had to pick a different seat, you know, somebody just take your seat. Yeah, the the Bills actually just released some ticket information right as we came on the air, so I'll pass it along to Bills fans that are thinking about making the trip out there. The season ticket members will get access to tickets in Detroit first. That will begin in an hour at 2 p.m. Season ticket members will be sent an email. They should have it in their inbox by now with a link and a code to access the sale and they can purchase up to six tickets per season ticket member account. The bills app pre-sale then follows at 5 PM fans will be notified via the app with a link and a code to access that pre-sale. Once again, the ticket limit is six. And then if there are tickets still left over, the general public will be able to purchase those starting on Saturday. And the Bills are encouraging you to go to the Bills app for up-to-date up-to-date info on that. Uh, we heard from head coach Sean McDermott this morning. Before I get into that, I got to tell you, I don't. I know you pretty much have a plow service with your undulating and unending driveway on your palatial estate, but <laughs> but for me, uh, I had to pull the snowblower out this morning 
and there was this like icy bottom layer right on the concrete. Yeah. I don't know if you had the same kind of snow. Yeah, it weighs it. I don't know what it is, but physics say that has to weigh about a thousand pounds a square inch. So it was a heavy snow with a lot of moisture in it to begin with. Yeah. And so, you know, you pushed the snow blower into, I mean, the snow was up to the top of my auger, you know, housing and you push this, you push the snow blower into the pile, you know, and your snow blower groans a little bit. And then the motor kind of catches up after it disperses the snow. The problem is with an icy bottom coating, I'm shoving this thing with all my might. And I'm not a big human shoving this thing with all 170 pounds that I've got into the pile of snow. And I have literally no traction with my wheels because of the icy surface and no traction with my feet. So I'm no better than being out on a farm field with an old school plow, except I don't have a horse to pull it. Right. So here I am trying to shove this thing through because the first row is the worst. Once you get that first row plowed, then you can kind of do a half row so your snowblower isn't whining as much. But, oh, my gosh, the first row was a nightmare. And yeah, we had the sidewalk. It's oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a rough. We had, um, you know, we have all these guests. There was six grown men out shoveling with one snowblower, which was it's a small snowblower. So we had no shot at getting any of this done by itself. We had six grown men with shovels working outside. And by the time we got done sweeping off the the pat, it was a patio because we we're going to go out and do some stuff today and kind of hang out. We got a you know bonfire you know on the a fire pit going and stuff. <laughs> by the time we got it shoveled, we needed to shovel it. <laughs> yeah. It's coming down so fast, uh, you can't. Stay. It doesn't stay clean for very long. We've got yeah. another, you know, couple inches on it already, and we finished up like less than an hour ago. Yeah, you guys are getting the worst of it right now. I saw on the Weather Channel that they've already measured almost four feet in Orchard Park. Yeah, you guys can't be far off of that number. We, like I said, we had about two feet here in Lancaster. The crazy thing is, I've got about twenty-four inches on the ground here. I'm literally five. I live five minutes from the airport, and the airport only has a foot. Yeah. Which defies logic for me. Like it's yeah. five miles away. Yeah, it's not. I, yeah. Once you, you know how it is. And we were getting guys from in the media up in Grand Island and that kind of stuff. They could mow their lawn today. Yeah, they got nothing. Yeah. So it's, it. you know, we've seen it before. Uh, I guess we're supposed to get it later today and tonight. Uh, yeah, it's, it's swing north. This way. Yeah, yeah, it's going to swing north. Yeah. We're well. right on the fringe. Like, when I look out my kitchen window, which is at the back of my house facing south, there are days where I can see the snow band off in the distance. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of up on a ridge here in the north end of Lancaster, and I can almost see to the Boston Hills. So I could see the sna- the lake effect snow band. I could just see it off in the distance on the horizon. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like a movie. It's really – and I know it's I, – I like snow days. I mean, I, who am I kidding? It's great. I mean, you and I are sitting in our houses today doing the show. I mean, that's kind of, I like being in the studio too, but you know, snow days are great. And so whatever inconvenience there is, and I get it. And this moving the bills game is kind of more than just an inconvenience. Like, oh, but 
it's really kind of an unbelievable natural occurrence, this lake effect snow. Nobody outside of Buffalo kind of gets what it is. And all these people that are here from my, in my house today from Alaska, you know, you're showing them pictures and they're, they're getting an idea of what it is. It blows their mind. And we're kind of used to it here, but it's really a, a unique phenomenon that we here in Buffalo, I don't know if you say taking it for granted is the, is the right phrase, but people find it fascinating to come up and, and see it and experience it. And, um, you know, my whole family who has been in and out of Buffalo for 35 plus years, they're all texting me, wanting to know and see pictures and wanting to know what it's like. And cause they've all experienced it at some point or other, but it's pretty, it really is pretty unbelievable that, that this happens to us every so often. Right. And not only that, but how localized it all is. Uh, we heard from head coach Sean McDermott this morning. He addressed the media in the 10 o'clock hour. And that was after it was announced that practice today was canceled and the team met virtually. Players are in good spirits, but you have to believe the coaching staff is feeling a little bit of angst with the lack of practice time this week. I will say, Steve, I was at work a little bit later as we were hearing uh, rumblings of the game possibly being moved. So I just kind of hung out to find out what the 411 was going to be on that when I would be, you know, heading out of town. If that right. in fact was the case, how long we'd be staying there. Right. Because I was wondering, hey, you're flying out to Detroit on Saturday. You play a game on Sunday or you, you got to play another game in Detroit on Thursday. Are you going to stay there the whole week? Like, what's the deal? So so as I was walking to uh, one our our department head's office, I have to go through the field house to do that from our office, as you know. And it's about five o'clock and the players are on the field. They did a secondary walkthrough yesterday in anticipation of not having practice today. So that was kind of the coaches, coaching staff's preemptive move to get some extra, at least mental reps with a walkthrough session, knowing they may not have the opportunity to practice today. And that's in fact what happened. So right. pretty good proactive approach by coach Sean McDermott and his coaching staff to get an extra session in late yesterday after meetings were over. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, we saw it coming. I mean, the governor was in town, the, the Erie County executive, the mayor of Buffalo, they all had a joint press conference. We knew it was going to be, and it's going to be rough. And I hope um, if there are people at home or out there, listen, I know Brownie and I have kind of got it. Okay. We're still doing our job. We're able to work from home, but if I hope there's some people out there that are, if you're in trouble, reach out to get some help. I mean, we're Buffalonians, so there's gotta be somebody around that'll help you out if you need some help. So yeah, so I want to empathize with people who aren't quite as well off as Brownie and I today. Uh, speaking of help, some of the players tweeting and oh posting gosh. on Instagram, it's hilarious. Uh, somebody's got to help out Spencer Brown. The guy doesn't even have a shovel. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you're in Buffalo. Just go next door. Ask your right. next door neighbor to borrow a shovel. I'm sure they'd be happy to give you one. Yeah. Um, I just don't want him throwing his back out before a game shovel in the snow knowing how heavy it is i know he's a big strong dude but i don't need him repetitively shoveling especially less than a year removed from back surgery so <laughs> right you know what i mean right so, and then i saw demar hamlin tweeted 
he said, anybody got a snowmobile? <laughs> he's looking. There's a guy from Western Pennsylvania. Like, yeah. he's seen snow before. Come on. Yeah, and you kind of get an idea, too. Some of these guys aren't, you know, DeMar Hamlin, it, it didn't look so bad in his neighborhood. Some of these neighborhoods are going to get are getting dumped on, particularly in Orchard Park. Um, and some of these, we always see it, you know, some of these players aren't experienced at all. They don't even know how to act in snow. Uh, it's a new experience for them. So it's always interesting to get their, to get their, you know, take on their first snowstorm that they got to put themselves through. Um, But this, yeah, this is going to be unbelievable. What is, you know, what is the plan, Brownie? They told you you guys are going to leave tomorrow like normally for an away game. They want to be, well, Brandon Bean said it yesterday when he and executive vice president Ron Recuglia had a zoom call with the media about five thirty last night. Right. And Brandon essentially said they want to keep it as close to a normal travel schedule as possible. So they always like to be on road games at their hotel, no later than three thirty or four in the afternoon because right. they have all of, they have meals and meetings and everything set up in the evening, Saturday night. So they want to be there on time but with it being such a short trip to Detroit by plane, you know, depending on how well the airport is functioning, because I had heard that there was nothing getting out until this afternoon in terms of outgoing flights today. I, I imagine it'll be better tomorrow since the snow is supposed to eventually end overnight. So, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see where it goes, but that that's the that's the tentative plan right now. And I, I would anticipate they should be able to get out, you know, get up and out by tomorrow afternoon. And then we're coming right back after the game back for a couple of days. You know, it's interesting. I, I kind of thought like, what are the pros and cons to staying there as opposed to coming back? And I think because of the close proximity to Detroit, it makes sense to come back work right. in your own facility for a couple of days you're not gonna be practicing a whole lot but the athletic training strength and conditioning and treatment especially with as long as buffalo's injury list is steve they're going to want to be in their own building kind of taking care of their guys the way they're used yeah. to taking care of their guys on a short week and it's different because i mean doing it on the fly is one thing but having like for training camp when you've got six months to to wind up and say okay when we get in there we're gonna have this 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 and this set up you know that even for a super bowl you get a week to run up to get ready for that kind of stuff you know so yeah that staying over there while you know it for a like if you're on a vacation and you get caught in a destination you're going to come back to in four days and with a flight or something you just stay that's not what this is yeah. This is 250 people with hotel rooms and you've got an important meeting on Thursday that you got to be up and ready for. And you've got physical ailments that are going to have to be addressed by top of the line medical equipment that you've got at home. So fly home, get it taken care of and fly back. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and you'll you'll be back in Detroit Wednesday night anyway, but you You'll be home before nine o'clock on Sunday night. So if it's a one right. o'clock Sunday afternoon game, they'll be home by seven thirty or eight o'clock at night, depending on if they can drive to their house because of the snow. 
You know what I'm saying, Brownie? So they'll oh, yeah. it'll be it'll be a bump in the road. They'll be back on their regular schedule for a Thursday game. Yeah, and speaking of injuries, already ruled out by Coach McDermott this morning for Sunday's game, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Tredavious White, and Greg Rousseau. So the defense, once again, shorthanded this week. Matt Milano is going to be in the lineup. He was one of those five players dealing with illness, along with Reggie Gilliam and a few others. Coach said all those guys that were dealing with illness are trending in the right direction to play on Sunday. We'll have to wait until the final injury report comes out a little bit later to determine the status of all of those players. So looks like Kyer Elam will be back in the fold this week after missing last week's game with the ankle injury. And I also asked Steve about A.J. Klein, who the Bills picked up off waivers from Chicago. A.J. Klein was in Baltimore gets moved at the trade deadline in the Roquan Smith trade, goes to Chicago, spends a week there, but then Chicago wants to get more playing time for one of the young linebackers on their roster. And so they put A.J. Klein on waivers. Bill's all too happy to scoop him up. Now here's the question for you, and and we'll ask Micah Hyde this question a little bit later as well, since he knows A.J. Klein's you know, football IQ better than we do. Veteran player has played in this system. They did get him in. I I asked coach this morning on the Zoom call, did he get here okay? Because like they, he had to pass a physical and all of that stuff. So he they did fly him in before the weather turned and the airport got closed for a while, and so he's in town. But coach had not yet seen him face to face because nobody got into the building from right. players from the roster today. Uh, but he said they got materials in his hands to kind of bring him back up to speed on the defense and everything. I'm wondering, Steve, I think there's a decent chance here with Tremaine Edmonds out that A.J. Klein could get some playing time this week. I really, I think it's possible. Is it likely? Probably not. With Dodson and Bernard? Well, I know. And you got a running, you got a running team here that you're playing in the Browns, and Klein's strength is the run game. Yeah, um, same with Dotson though. I mean, Dotson's yes, in the game too. I think that's totally you could, valid. You could put you could put Klein out on teams too, and he could cover kicks and take a slot like for Kumaro, take Kumaro's place, that kind of thing. Plus, have an extra body in case you did go heavy on the defensive side. But you know, let's face it: this is a team, this is the Bills team that rarely gets out of their nickel defense anyway, no matter who they're playing, uh, because of Taron Johnson's abilities in the run game. So. He may do that. I would think he'd probably be a last resort and probably take some reps on teams if he is indeed active at all. Even Yeah, I just hearken back to the last two seasons. At any time, Edmonds or Milano were out of the lineup, chiefly more Edmonds than Milano. Right. Klein was the first guy off the bench. Yeah, that's right. Um, You're right. So maybe not this week, but maybe sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a short week. I mean, if he can get up to speed, certainly we may see him. We may see him on uh, Thursday for sure, right? Because uh, there's no guarantee Edmonds will be ready. That's in right. Another week, so that's right. Or in less so, than a week, I should say. I mean, they, I'll say this: I'm with you. I don't think they picked him up as a practice body. I think they got a plan for him. I think they feel like he could be plugged in pretty quickly, and they they are comfortable doing it. Which means given the way the season's going at some point, he probably will take a rep or two. 
Right. I mean, the uh, only but, reason they moved on from him in the first place was because of money. They had to save right. some money on the cap to sign some younger players to extensions, and he, his contract was cost prohibitive, and then he went and signed somewhere else. Right. Yeah, picking him up off the practice squad is, you know, it's, he is the perfect pickup for practice squad when you think you may need to put the guy on the field. Well, he's on the he's active a, roster. Right, but yeah. he may not be active for the game is what I'm saying. Oh, plus, okay, okay. plus he may uh, – I mean, you would feel like that with a veteran player like him, special teams is a absolute no-brainer. If, he, if he's active, he can contribute in some way, shape, or form. So he's not standing over there like the third quarterback used to with a clipboard in his hand, never seeing the field at all. Yeah. If, he's, if, if he's active – you feel good about plugging him into certain situations on special teams, giving starters a break on special teams, letting them come off the field. You know, if the rotation's short at some other places, he can take up a lot of slack like that. So uh, even if he doesn't play linebacker on down and distance, he's certainly taking a special team spot if he's active. Meanwhile, in Cleveland, there was some interesting developments at their Friday practice today. It looks like David Njoku, the tight end, is going to be questionable for the game this week. He's missed the last couple of games with an ankle injury. He did not practice Wednesday, was limited on Thursday. I don't yet see a designation for his practice participation today, but the reports out of Cleveland are he's going to be listed as questionable. Also to be listed as questionable for the Browns, starting cornerback Greg Newsom, who hasn't been on the injury report at all this week, According to some of the Browns reporters, he got into a collision with a teammate at practice and had to be evaluated for a concussion. So he is going to be listed as questionable as well for the game. And if they have to put him in the concussion protocol, he's not going to make it to Sunday. He can't get out of the protocol fast enough, really. That'd be tough. No, you got to start from scratch. Uh Unless I don't know enough days in the week. Yeah. I don't know for sure how that works when you go in, what level, if you're allowed to enter the protocols at a different level than everybody else is, but it's a five day deal, right? I mean, he may not even be ready for a Thursday game if they had a Thursday game. So if he goes into the protocol, he's not going to make it. So they could be down a starting corner in Newsom. They just got Denzel Ward back from a concussion after he missed three games with a concussion. His first game back was last week against Miami. Now they lose their other starting corner, Greg Newsom. So replacing him will be either Greedy Williams or Martin Emerson. We'll have to see, you know, who they replace him in the lineup. If in fact he's put in concussion protocol. So we'll see where that goes. And we'll probably know more a little bit later this afternoon on that. And as I mentioned, the Browns are busing to Detroit for the game on Sunday. Uh, other news. They bust, in, you say busting or busing? Busing. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, other news and notes to get to. Again, Tredavious White not going to play this week. And coach said he's not ready to play. They'll continue to take it one day at a time. This is three weeks now that he has been on the active roster. He does not have an injury designation. He is not on the injury report, and he is not going to play. Um, Edmonds and Rousseau, who are the other players declared out, do have injuries. They've been on the injury report. 
And then Jay Kumaro was put on IR yesterday to make roster room for A.J. Klein. So he's going to miss the next four games. So the Bills now go into this game with only four receivers. I believe that that's going to change. They're not going to go into the game with just four wideouts. They will make some adjustments here. So I would anticipate they have some kind of elevation of some kind, whether it's a receiver like Tanner Gentry from the practice squad. Maybe it's Marquez Stevenson who was activated for his 21-day practice window. Maybe he, if he looked good in practice this week, was up to speed on everything. Maybe he's up as the fifth wideout. Or, and and hear me out, Steve, Naheem Hines, could he double at some receiver duty this week? Uh, we'll have to see. But with know. four that's, receivers, they're going to have to do something. I think that's a stretch, Naheem Hines. But, I it mean, might be. Might be. Because I, he's, you know, he's still getting acclimated to the offense, let alone learning now and learning a new, a new position. Um, yeah, I mean, Kumaro being out throws a real, yeah, throws a problem into it. Uh, Shakir, Diggs, McKenzie, and Davis. Yeah, somebody's got to. That's that's not yeah, enough. You got to add somebody. That's not enough. Um, because you don't want if you have an injury, you don't want to get pigeonholed into twelve personnel or twenty-one personnel, especially when you're an eleven personnel team. Well, yeah, and the only guys they've got on the roster, as you go down, is those guys we just mentioned and Kumaro. Well, yeah, Kumaro's on IR, so so he's not even an option. Um, they're yeah, so the list is only includes. Well, there's there's Isaiah Coulter. Tanner Gentry, yep, that's Keyshawn Johnson. Practice squad. Yeah, those are the guys on the practice squad. And I would anticipate it would be Gentry as the practice squad elevation because he can play on yes. special teams, and he's been here for three years. This is he knows where, the offense. Yeah, this is where you look back, it's like, wow, I wonder where how Isaiah Hodgins is playing, you know, for the Giants. That's some, you know? made some plays last week. Yeah, so – it's just the way the season goes, man. You got you miss a guy, you, you don't need him, and then two weeks later, you wish he was still there. Um, that's the way the se- season goes. I, you know, Tanner Gentry's going to be fine. He'll be he'll be all right. He can contribute. And and let's just face it, even if the fifth guy, whoever that is, whether it's one of those other guys or Tanner Gentry or Keyshawn Johnson or. Uh, you know, or uh, the other the other one I mentioned, Isaiah uh, Coulter. Isaiah Coulter. Even if it's any of those guys, they're a last resort. They're not going to be a guy that's going to win or lose the game for you, unless you know the unthinkable happens. So, uh, special teams are going to be huge for all three of those guys, and Tanner Gentry is the guy. It would seem to me, just like you, but it, you know, how, you you wonder. You look back, it's like, man, how do we get to this spot? Injuries will get you there quickly. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and unfortunate. Um, yeah, you got, I mean, yeah, because you got Crowder and forget Crowder is on IOR. That's the guy you miss, Jake Kumaro and Marquez Stevenson. Right. That would Marquez Stevenson is intriguing to me. He certainly brings a straight line speed element to the offense, and if you put him out there, outside the numbers where. You know, people have complained, hey, there's not enough depth 
in terms of outside receivers, Stevenson can do that outside the numbers. So that's a plus. And, you know, you look at what that would do for Davis. You know, we've been talking about how they need to diversify his route tree. This would give you an opportunity to do that if you put Stevenson outside. Now you can move Davis around a little bit and maybe diversify his route tree so some of his routes aren't so predictable, as we heard Patrick Peterson basically breaking down everything that Gabe Davis does and does not do on a football field based on his film study. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it's probably a Stevenson or Gentry answer for a call-up to make it five receivers this week, and then they'll just take it from there. Um, They still have – they still – I mean, they still have – time on the clock to make a call on Stevenson. It doesn't have to be this week. So maybe the easier move, if you're not a hundred percent sure about Stevenson being ready, you call up Gentry this week, you see how Stevenson does the next couple of days. And then maybe you call him up for the Thanksgiving day game. Yeah, exactly. And it may be, it may be skill set related, or it may just be experience related as well. Cause you, you know, Marcus Stevenson kick returner, Tanner Gentry kick cover, you know, which one do you want? Yeah. And it could depend on the opponent. All right. We've got to take a break here. That was your bills practice update presented by LECOM Lake Erie college of osteopathic medicine. We'll try to go around the NFL a little bit, but we're also taking your phone calls here on this OBL fan mailbag Friday, as we are radio only today. Right up until 3 o'clock. Don't forget, we've got Greg Cosell and Micah Hyde coming your way here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a football Friday. The OBL Fan Friday mailbag is open. You got any questions on the Bills or the league at large, send them over to us. We'll do our best to get to those. But right now, it is time for our weekly visit from Bills Safety, Micah Hyde. And that segment is called Nothing to Hide, as uh, Micah will share the best answers he's got for you with the questions you may have for him Micah, welcome once again. Uh, we're doing it a little bit differently here. Here's another exposure to uh, how broadcasting has to pivot, much like you guys are for this game this week. Yeah, for sure. I, I like it, man. Thank you for having me uh, through Zoom. Um, you guys are probably professionals at this point going through COVID and all that. Well, so are you. Everybody in the universe that is professionals at Zoom these days. I didn't know what the hell it was three years ago. Now we're all pros but yeah, at, an, at a necessity. And you guys had to do – your meetings on zoom today because practice got canceled right yeah yeah we sure did we had meetings um i think everyone really had a you know kind of a hectic morning just trying to you know figure out what was going on what meetings you're in what which ones you're hopping in is the position is the defense is the team you know all that type of stuff but you know here we are we're uh i think through covid we learned to uh you know how to adjust and um we're doing that right now so what was the general approach because i i was at the facility late yesterday and I saw that you guys went back out for a walkthrough mm-hmm. late on Thursday, which yeah. isn't customary, but I'm guessing that was a proactive approach by the coaching staff, knowing you guys might be shut out of getting on the field today. Yeah, that was exactly it. You know, obviously Sean got word um, that we're going to be playing in Detroit and then also gave us um, um, kind of the heads up that at around seven, eight o'clock, the snow was going to start to come. So um, let's get a little bit more work in, which was yesterday. And um, you know, obviously today, just have some some Zoom meetings and, uh, 
kind of cancel the, the practice portion and get back to it tomorrow. I will uh, throw this question out to you that we got from one of our fans, Rachel, and it pertains to playing in snow. Mm-hmm. Rachel asks, can players enjoy the novelty of playing in a snowstorm like the 2017 Colts game, which you obviously played in, yeah. or do you just want a clean field and clear skies for every game, you know, kind of eliminate all the other variables, us against them and nothing else? Yeah, you know, usually when we play at home, um, late in the season, November, December, January, um, I want it to be as bad as possible for the opposing team that's coming in. Um, so I don't mind playing in the snow. I enjoy it. I'm, you know, they, but you guys know me. I'm an Ohio guy. Uh, played at Iowa, Green Bay, and and now Buffalo. So to me, I, I think that for the opposing team to come in and play in snow like this, it's pretty difficult. So, and you know, I love the 2017 game. Yeah, um, I <laughs> I think offensive players might answer differently yeah, um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah but like you you go back you go back to week three micah and i think if you ask any bills fan they would argue that the bills weren't only playing the dolphins in week three they were playing 120 degree temperatures also exactly so it's just like yeah yeah and i was down there you know i wasn't playing um but i was down there. I was, I was able to see you know firsthand from the sideline that it was the temperature played an effect in that. And obviously no excuses, both teams were playing in it, but same time, it was difficult for us to go down there and just to that temperature. So, you know, for a team like Miami or, you know, West coast team or down South team to come and play in, you know, the weather, like we're seeing outside right now um, is difficult. You know, you can't prepare for it when you're, you know, in your respective cities. And it's not, it's different too. When snow is different than bitter cold. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the colder it, it really gets hard when it really gets really, really cold, like sub zero. Exactly. The snow is a different kind of problem. The snow is OK, but sometimes it's, you know, low 30s is not so bad as, you know, zero. Exactly. Exactly. I'd much rather play in the snow than than those cold, cold games. You know, when it's, when it's that cold, it doesn't even snow. It's just it grounds hard. You know, the ball's hard. You're hitting each other. Uh, feels like you're running into a wall every single play. Uh, it, it's difficult, but you know, I, I, like I said, I don't mind playing in the snow. It's always fun. Um, gives you a little more energy. Pre-game's always a blast. Um, so you just go out there and have fun. Like you're, like you're a little kid back in the day, having a snow day. All right. So I, I was planning to ask you this because you guys pick up AJ Klein off waivers who, you know, is a teammate of yours for yours for two seasons, 2020, 2021 veteran player knows this scheme but he's not going to get an opportunity to get on the practice field at all this week. Yeah. We, I asked coach in his morning press conference today, you know, did he even get here? We had no idea if he even got here before the weather started hitting. He said, no, no, we got him here. Yeah. Passed his physical and all that. We got some materials in his hands, you know, to kind of bring him back up to speed for a veteran like you or AJ, maybe going back to a place you were just there last season. I realize schemes morph and change and get nuanced as seasons wear on, but what is, what is a realistic run up knowing AJ, like you do, you know, the cerebral player that he is, what's, what's reasonable to expect from him in terms of a state of readiness. Do you think Sunday is, is realistic to maybe even be up? I'm not saying start him in the game and Mm -hmm. have him run the defense, but at least be up maybe. It, um, yeah, I think that, you know, with a guy like AJ, he's able to, um, I, I think that the playbook is, is similar to what, you know, we've had in the past, obviously. So, um, there's a little few changes, a little, you know, nuances here and there within the defense, because it depends on which team you're playing. 
Um, but AJ smart, man, he, he can come in. He has all day today, tomorrow. Um, and then obviously the morning of, of Sunday to, to get ready, you know, he's been playing football, so he's in football shape. That's a bonus. Um, but on top of that, you know, he's a, he's a smart guy. He knows his playbook. He, he was with, uh, McDermott, um, McDermott back in the day, right. Had that stint here in Buffalo. So he knows the playbook. He knows it in and out. So, um, I have, I have 100 confidence that AJ is going to be able to come in. He could probably play today if he had to. Yeah, and I've I've seen teams have times like this. Certainly, the 2015 game when you guys had to move to Detroit that time as well. I've experienced it myself in snow games where the week is really torn up and broken up because you can't come in snow days, and it's kind of it puts a, a little bit of a different mindset on the team. And I and I called it even back in 2015 when you guys went to Detroit about listen, they're going to play free and easy. Because mm-hmm. you know pressure's off. I mean, they, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I really think, in some ways, particularly in a week eleven game where you guys are entrenched. I mean, it's routine, routine, routine. Man, I, I really think this is a chance for the team to really free its mind and say, "Listen, the pressure's off. We got all this stuff going on. Let's just go out and play." I, it, and it showed in that last time. The last time you guys did this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I wasn't. I've. I've never been a part of a weather postponement or a change, I guess. I wasn't, I wasn't here in 2015. Um, and obviously, 2017, we played in that, that snow game. Um, but I think, once again, you know, we were talking about the Zoom meetings and stuff like that. It dates back to COVID. Like, COVID that year, 2020, 2021, with, you know, you guys were a part of it. The, the flight delays, you know, we're all thinking we're getting there at 1 o'clock. And then, you know, they say, hey, hold tight. We're going to get there at – get to the airport at 3.30. Next thing you know, we're not getting to the city so. You know, eight nine o'clock at night that throws our routine off. The next day we wake up and you know we we were winning games. So right. I just think that you know it, it's exactly what you just said. Sometimes you put so much emphasis on the routine, um, and you know you want to you want to be doing this and doing that and doing this. And then when you go into a game where it was just a crazy week and you know jumbled up like you said, and then all of a sudden you just go out there, you could just play free, you play your best. So yeah, you know, I think that that's definitely one of those uh, one of those times right now and. I think guys are excited to get to Detroit and, and especially what well, we're going to be playing two times in what, four right. days. So <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to to go there and get two wins in Detroit. And, and obviously we're looking forward to this first one. But, you know, with the week, the way it's been, I think that's going to be it's going to be uh, fun for us. Let's talk a little bit of Brown's offense here. They were down in Miami last week, as you know, because you probably watched that game and just about every other one they've played. Mm-hmm. I, I found it interesting Micah, like they got off to a good start last week against Miami's defense, you know, a good defense. And then Chubb fumbles the ball and it's like they couldn't recapture any kind of offensive rhythm after that. It's like they couldn't recover from the fumble, which is, you know what I mean? You talk about mentally tough and and getting back on the horse. Mm -hmm. They really had a tough time doing that last week. Yeah, you know, that's the uh, that's the game of football we all love. Sometimes you're, you know, you're having a smooth 60-minute football game where just everything's clicking, and sometimes you can go, you know, 20 minutes, and next thing you know, something like that happens, and, you know, it all just nothing goes your way from there on out. So you know, I think that we understand this is, a, you know, a very good football team, and we were expecting them to come here with the weather like this and, you know, dating back to the Monday night game last year against the Patriots and how they just continued to run the ball, run the, you know, so we were, we were expecting that. And then, you know, yesterday we heard we're going to Detroit, um, obviously indoor. Now they're, we're getting, they're probably going to get back to their game plan, run the ball, play action, that type of stuff. So, you know, we know what they're going to bring, you know, to the, to the table. Um, 
And, you know, hopefully we're able to force a turnover like that and get them off schedule and, you know, force them to to kind of go downhill from there also. Got a question here from JT, another one of our loyal listeners. He says, hi, Mike, I hope your healing process is going well. Can't to see, wait to see you back out there next season. Can Josh throw a football out of Highmark Stadium or have you seen him do it just messing around? Also, who is the funniest player on the team and who is the most serious? Hmm. Okay. So the first one, Josh on the ball at the stadium. I think he can. I think the 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 short side um, with the tunnel we come out of. I think he could. I think he could get it over top of that. Uh, I'm confident. And then uh, um, the funniest guy on the team, uh, the funniest guy that I'm around, you know, everyday basis is is Tredavious. He has no filter. He says what's on his mind. He doesn't shut up. He's he's just Tredavious. <laughs> that's you know we've all we've all played with guys. Steve, I'm sure back when you were playing, you had guys in the locker room that just talk 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 talk. And he and he's right next to me in the locker room, so I got to hear him all day every day. So, um, but he he is funny. He he puts you in a good mood. The most serious guy on the team. Yeah, serious as a heart attack. Like who are we? <laughs> Nothing. You can't crack him. And we've heard we've heard that uh, James Cook is kind of hard to. He doesn't break a smile very much. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't really break a smile. Um, but I've I've seen him laugh a few times. CB, the rookie, um, I I've only probably said, you know, about ten words to him. He's he's always. He, I I don't think I've ever seen him laugh. You talking yeah, about Benford? Chris, yeah, Benford. Yeah, he's yeah. never. I don't think he's ever laughed. Um, in his <laughs> life. Like, so he might he might win that award. He's the most, he's the most serious. Uh, the most serious guy on the team for sure. Like hands down, I've never seen him laugh. So like so he's just. He's all business all the time. Every interaction is serious. Yeah, yeah. he just he's just like in the meetings. I'll turn around. I look at him. He's serious. Um, you know, he makes plays on the field. He's serious. Um, you know, at cafeteria, I could see him. He's 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 eating seriously. Uh, I don't. I just have eating seriously. Yeah, is that a thing? Yeah, I don't. Even, I don't even think so. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's forever. Um, he's forever in the mood to to play football, I guess, you know, and he's it's showing right. he's making plays. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, Micah, we uh, quickly used up all our time with you. We appreciate you chiming in. We know it's been a little bit of a harrowing morning for you. Good luck uh, on the home front there, mm-hmm. uh, keeping everybody safe and sound. And uh, hopefully we get that dub up in Motor City uh, on Sunday. For sure. I appreciate it, Chris and Steve. We'll, we'll see you soon. All right, that's Micah Hyde here on Nothing to Hide. We will take a break, be back with more, including Greg Cosell, coming up in hour number two here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Back here on One Bills Live on a football Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and it is time for Tailgate Friday Presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. For those of you new to this segment, this is when we ask you what is on your tailgating menu. And obviously, much like the team, you too have to pivot because you were expecting a home tailgate in your familiar lot, wherever you are. And now you're probably shifting that to your house, your home, uh, I got I got a cousin who holds a tailgate there every year. This was the week, Steve. He's moved it to a fire hall. People have to pivot, and they're doing it. So be curious to see if the menu changes for some people, knowing they're moving home. It might be a more elaborate menu. 
since you have a full-blown oven at your house, an air fryer, who knows what you got. So let's see what people have on the menu this week. Brian says maybe a Detroit-style pizza. Oh, all right. That's getting into the what spirit is that? of the move. What's a Detroit-style pizza? So Detroit-style pizza, first of all, the whole pie is a long rectangle. The crust is, I would say, thicker on the whole. It's crispy around the edges. I would I would liken it to a pan pizza. Uh, it's It's similar to that. And I would venture to say, I think I'm safe in saying this, more tomato sauce than cheese very often. So it's a crispy pizza, but a wet one as well on top. So some of the uh, popular national chains, Steve, are going to the Detroit style as a new offering now. Hold on. We're not hearing you, Steve. Um, so Brian says Detroit style pizza, there we go. but a fun fact, if the Bills win both against the Browns and Lions, they'll have won at Ford Field more this season than the Lions. That is true. If they win Sunday and then on Thursday, they will have two wins in Detroit, which is more than the Lions have at home. Poor Lions can't really make too much fun. We know the pain. Keep up the great work. Love the show. Go Bills. Yeah. Detroit style pizza. That's a good I, idea. Yeah. I like and, where his head's at. I'm glad and, you're here to t- explain to me why the the different nuances of p- New York style pizza, yeah, Sicilian pizza, I, I don't Chicago think, pizza. Yeah, the consistency of Detroit style pizza isn't terribly different from the the consistency of Chicago style pizza. Which, if you've ever had Chicago style pizza, you, sure. you need a knife and a fork a lot. You can't. Well, it's pick it's that like up. lasagna pizza. It's too almost. sloppy. It's. It's different, yeah. Yeah, it's not self-contained. All right, Eric on Tailgate Friday says, game meal, mostly cliche, though. Um, The guy sent us a pic, which we obviously can't show our radio listeners, but it's got French bread, brie, and champagne. This guy actually lives in France, so I'll let this slide. But uh, a French native, Steve, Going with bread, brie, and champagne. When in Paris, I guess. I, I don't know. That That is not. I, well, I, I bet if you go to, if you make a stop at every single Bill's tailgater's lot spot <laughs> for the next five years, every week, you will not find yeah. anyone that has the combination of French bread, brie, and champagne. Not even our Southern Ontario neighbors are pulling that out. No that's, way, Jose. Hey, to each his own, but hey, that's why you tweet it. You know, you're, you got to be unique. Well, he's unique. I'll give him that. Jack, yeah. Jack gives us snowed in. And if you remember, Steve, Jack is the guy that has a lot of the artery clogging goodness menu. No, items. I can't. Let's hear it. So he says snowed in. And since we aren't going to the game, we'll be doing some hamburger helper for during the game and either ordering or making meat lovers pizza after Plenty of Irish beer to keep us warm. Not fancy this week, but them's the breaks. If there's a travel day, will the NFL push to a later start, four, seven, or eight? Um, they, I don't think so because of the Thursday game for Buffalo. Yeah. They need every hour of recovery, and they want to yeah. get back to Buffalo. They'll be hustling back to get their routine started. Everybody's got a Thursday night game routine that they want to get into. That's which is one of the issues for this game being they couldn't push it back a day and have it in OP. Yeah. 
So. The, la- the last submission, Steve, from Joe. What are all the 26 people that Tasker has in town doing? <laughs> Shoveling snow. <laughs> Basically. Oh, my gosh. That is so good. Which is exactly what they we, we did it. I mean, we 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 shoveled snow for about, I don't know, a ton of time. The plow, my plow guy just informed us he can't get to the house because it's oh. gotten it's so deep now. We, you know, these the plow guy, they get as many got people as they can, right? Because they want to make as much money as they can. Well, the problem is when you get a snow like this, they can't, they have so many people to do. Now they can't keep up. They can't keep up with it. Yeah. So by the time he got back to our place, he can't push our, he can't push the snow in our driveway. So now he's got to get his, his front end loader and it's going to take him, you know, hours and hours even to get over here. So we're oh, stranded. Man. Yeah. The streets actually over here are cleared. Well, you got twenty-six. You got twenty-six sets of arms. Get to work. <laughs> yeah, that that wouldn't be enough to do my driveway. I got to be honest. No, I'm, you'd need a small army. Yeah, uh, I'd to need, take care of I'd that. You'd two hundred and sixty. You need the Army Corps of Engineers uh, to show up uh, with heavy equipment as well. Right. So uh, there you have it. All right, that is tailgate Friday. Uh, hope you enjoyed some of those submissions. We have to take a break because when we come back, we're going to be joined. For his weekly visit, senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell. I've got a couple of interesting questions to ask him about the Browns, including the two most popular personnel groupings they use. It makes up almost 70 to 80 percent of their offense. We'll get to that and plenty more next with Greg Cosell here on One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and it is time to bring in our weekly guest for this time slot. And Greg Cosell's weekly segment is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. It is NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell joining us, also co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. How are we doing this week, Greg? The better question is, how are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fair one to flip around on us. We're surviving. It's as we tell everybody, it's just snow. Like you can, you move it and you move on. That's kind of how it goes. I mean, once you get five and six feet, then you have to pull out the roof rake and start pulling snow off your roof so it doesn't cave in. But, I don't even know what five or six feet of snow means, Chris. So <laughs> I, I, that's that's way beyond my comprehension. Yeah. And I'm not. And you know, growing, I grew up in New York, and now obviously I'm outside of Philadelphia. So sure, we get snow, but not a ton. And I'm not a big fan. Like to me, five inches of snow is a lot of snow. I, I guess yeah. where you are right now wouldn't be the best place for me. No, yeah, I don't. It's, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, it's an acquired taste. I'll put it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg, let's begin here because I, I noticed well, I watched I watched the Browns game against Miami last week. 
And they come out and they're very efficient on offense. That first drive, it's like a four or five play scoring drive. Brissett hit is like six for his first six passes. They come out on the second drive, they're rolling. And then Nick Chubb fumbles the football. They never find the rhythm again the rest of the game. Yeah. Well, I, that was just bizarre to me that there was such a flip of the switch and they could never get it back again. Yeah, you know, I, when I watch the Browns offense, Brownie, I there are times I feel, as you said, they're very efficient. Um, they're not a big play offense. They don't hit a lot of big plays. Obviously, on that first drive early, uh, it was one of their first plays. I think they hit the stutter go to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yes. Um, but they don't hit a lot of big plays in the pass game. Um, although Brissett is capable of big throws. Uh, you know, But it's an odd thing that they, they really don't hit a lot of big plays. The other thing that strikes me as very odd about them is they do not feature play action as much as you would think, given their run game. You know, when you look at their play action numbers, which I'm sure you have, compared to the rest of the league and other quarterbacks in the league, they're nowhere near the top of the league in running play action. Mm. And you would think, given not only the strength of their run game, but the fact that they play with two tight ends and three tight ends and a fullback at times, because all that makes the defense line up in, in specific ways. It's not just the actual action itself, but you know how the defense will line up when you line up with two tight ends or three tight ends or a fullback. And yet they're not a big play action team in terms of volume, you know, number of plays in which they run play action. Little idea about, you know, why they're so effective in one part of their offense can't get it going in another. You know, Jacoby Brissett is, you know, kind of a stand in for Deshaun yeah. Watson. But give us an personality of their run game. Zone schemes, is it pin and pull, uh, or do they do it all? It's it's both, Steve, because they have a um, – their their guards, Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller. You guys are familiar with Wyatt, Wyatt Teller. I believe mm -hmm. Buffalo sure. drafted him, did they not, out of Virginia they did, Tech? Yep. And uh, he got a chance to play in Buffalo, and I actually thought he played well, but obviously he moved on to Cleveland. He's become, Steve, one of the best pulling guards in the league. So they like to run gap scheme, and he's more often than not the puller, and he's really good kicking out. You know, when you run gap scheme, as you know, the, the puller usually kicks out the, uh, the widest defender on the line of scrimmage. And then if there's a second guy who pulls, we call him the wrapper, and he goes inside the puller, and he gets the next guy that shows. But, uh, but Wyatt Teller is really, really good at pulling and kicking out the widest defender on the, uh, de on the defensive line. So they run gap scheme because he's really good at it, but they still run zone a lot as well. So, so they really have a multiple run game. Greg, I did notice a fair amount of 12 personnel from them. It's their oh. second most popular yep. personnel grouping behind 11. Yep. My question to you is, all the defensive coaches that you've spoken to over the years when you have a team yes you have a main personnel grouping that's what your identity is essentially but when there is such a heavy secondary personnel grouping in comparison to maybe some of the other things they might turn to over the course of a season is it is it a matter is it safe to say we know what the Browns are going to do. Now we just have to find a way to effectively defend it. I'm not saying that they couldn't come up with a wrinkle. They could. But sure. after after 10 weeks, this is pretty much who they are now. They're an 11 or a 12 personnel team most of the time, it seems. Well, you know, one thing I've learned from talking to coaches, 
and and I've uh, this is a question I like to ask for the because when I watch tape and I see a play and I say, wow, that is a perfect play against that coverage, you know, and and so I think to myself, does the team know what they're getting? Is is that do they anticipate based on film study that you know eighty five percent of the time they're going to get that that coverage or whatever you're talking about, Brownie? So I think that in the NFL, for the most part coaches know what they're going to get to a large extent. So let's say it's first and 10 and you line up in 12 personnel. You know, if the other team is in base defense, of course, this probably won't apply to Buffalo, but you, you know, just to make the point, um, <laughs> yeah. if the other team's in base defense, that they're probably going to be in one or, or of two different coverages, because that's what they play on first and 10 in their base defense. Steve, I think you would probably echo this based on your years in the league. You know, you know, in certain situations, you're not getting one of 25 different things. You're getting one of two or three different things, right? That's That's the way it works, you know? And so you get a feel for a team and maybe you work through that, you know, with your first series, your second series, and then the guys upstairs tell the, you know, the play caller, if he's on, you know, let's say, let's say he's on the field, say, Hey, look, here's what we're getting on first and 10. And then you kind of know, and then you call plays that reflect what you have learned and what, you know, it just sort of, it re it kind of reevaluates what you knew going in, but you just want to make sure that's what you're getting. How has Jacoby played for Cleveland? We've seen him play for Indianapolis. Yep. We've seen him play for the Patriots. We've seen him play teams playing for Cleveland. Is he better? Are they working with him? Is he, um, but they've got in him and you can tell they're calling plays for Jacoby. What, what's he playing like? You know, Jacoby Brissett to me has always been fascinating, Steve, because I watched him coming out of NC state. And there were times with his size and his strength that I said to myself, wow, this guy reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, And he was, I guess, a second or third round pick of New England. And from what I've heard from people, he's an unbelievable kid. You know, he's one of those guys. Um, And I guess I thought he'd be a better pro quarterback. You know, you can line up and play with Jacoby Brissett. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to kill you. It's not like, oh, my God, we got to put him in. You know, you can line up and play and he can execute your offense. And all these years, and, you know, I haven't studied him in the, in the detail. I've studied other quarterbacks, Steve, but there's something missing that, that prevents him from being more than what he is now, which is a perfectly fine guy to play, you know, to put out there and play if you've got enough team, um, you know, and every once in a while he makes throws. He made a throw this past week, Brownie, you probably saw it. And I think it was to Donovan Peoples-Jones on a third down where he stuck it into an incredibly tight window. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of those throws where, you know, if Josh Allen made that throw, we'd go, wow, that is just an unbelievable throw by Josh, you know, and, and it was Jacoby. So no one says a word, but it was, you know, a really big time tight window throw against zone coverage. And he does that every once in a while. And he's mobile and he can move and make some plays with his legs, but it just never has become more than that, you know? So he's, and that's why he's viewed as a guy you play until you find someone better. Yeah. Two dolphins defenders actually crashed into one another. That's right. (laughs) It was crazy. Um, What do we make of the Browns defense overall? And then what did Miami do to completely take miles Garrett yeah, the game. I mean, he was not a factor at I know Tua gets it out fast. So it's hard for even the premier pass rushers to get to him in the first place. But did they do anything else besides the quick rhythm passing game? Well, that they're now known for. I mean, look, that's a major part of it. But they also have one of the best left tackles in the league in Taron Armstead. 
and and I made it a point to watch the one on ones when they when it was one on one, and and he truly had to block him for longer than let's say one point five seconds. You yeah. know, because when the ball comes out and that three step drop timing, the ball's out in one point five seconds. A track star couldn't get there, you know, to 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 hit to it when that happens. But I thought Armstead did an unbelievably good job. But he would be a top three or four left tackle in this league. So, you know, you're fortunate. That was a major move Miami made in the offseason that was overlooked because of Tyreek Hill. Um, and obviously the coaching change was, you know, relatively big news. Yeah. But um, I think that's that's what Miami's offense is. You know, everything is quick rhythm. The ball comes out. You know, we'll we'll see what, what Buffalo does because – uh, look, you know, I'm just I'm just talking tape study, but Deion Dawkins is not at that level of left tackle that Terran Armstead is. And, you know, if you start with deeper drops, you're going to have a potential concern there on that side that you may have to chip him. You may have to keep someone in to double him. You may have to do something specific if you want to take deeper drops and throw the ball. So what do you think this game's going to look like? I mean, the, I was going to ask you as well, you've watched the Bills over the last couple of weeks. Oh, um, sure. I I maintain, we talked about this last week. I maintain there's a lot of teams that would have lost the way the Jets played them. Well, I got to tell you, I I said this on a couple of other shows this week because I got tired. You know, everything I say, you guys know, is based on film study. I don't make bold, controversial statements, okay? I just don't do that because I don't even know what that means. But I just sit here and watch tape all day, and I'm a little nuts in, in terms of how much I watch and how I go about, you know, trying to do this. And I heard a lot of people talk earlier this week about the Bills having a Josh Allen problem. And you've probably heard all that too. And I watched that game really carefully because I was very curious, the one against the Vikings. And I got to tell you, I don't know what you guys thought. I thought Josh Allen played really well. Now, obviously, things have to be cleaned up. I'm not going to sit here and defend red zone interceptions and, and some of the poor throws and decisions he's made over the last two or three weeks. But I would say those are isolated plays be, you know, and again, do they have to be cleaned up? Absolutely. You know, like I said, indefensible, but overall, I I thought he played really well against Minnesota. I, you know, I didn't think that he was struggling. I didn't think he played poorly. Uh, You know, I thought he played well. Now he explained both those interceptions and you can take it for what it's worth, but you know, I think the Bills, they still need to run the ball more, and they still need to run the ball in in certain situations. I think you guys would both agree, when they were up big late third quarter and early fourth quarter, Steve, you know this, you have to be able to line up and run the ball. Even if you don't get first downs, you're eating clock. You're eating – they had one drive. It might have been in the fourth quarter, Brownie, when they were ahead where they came out and they threw it three times in a row, and then they punted. And I think, what, 30 seconds went off the clock? You know, I, I I think in those situations, and again, I don't rip, this is not a rip on the coaches. I don't do that. I'm just sitting here watching the game and thinking, you know, wow, you're up by whatever it is. And it's the fourth quarter. And, you know, I think it's time to hand it off. That's kind of the way I right. felt watching it. Um, one other thing about the Browns defense, Greg, you know, sometimes we see this, but if you look at their defensive statistics, two of their three leading tacklers are their safeties. Yeah. Del- Delpit and Johnson. Yep. I can't imagine that is what their defensive staff wants to see in the staff no. column. Their two safeties as two of their three leading tag. That is an issue. What what do you think is behind that? What is causing or keeping their front seven from making more plays? 
Well, I think they've really struggled at the defensive tackle position this year. And I think they've also had injuries at linebacker. Anthony Walker's out for the year. He's a right. really good player. Um, um, the Notre Dame kid is out too. Uh, Wusu Wusu Kormoa, yeah. uh, he's been out for quite a while. So, you know, they're playing with basically some backup linebackers. Uh, so I think that's been a little bit of an issue. Um, you know, I, that's one reason they traded for Deion Jones, who, quite frankly, is not the player he was two or three years ago. So they're basically playing with Jones, Taki Taki, um, you know, but inside, you know, they started to play a lot of rookies. They're playing Alex Wright, a player I actually really liked on tape coming out of a smaller school. They're playing Isaiah Thomas now, an Oklahoma kid. I think they're trying to find people to play. We know how good Garrett is. Um, you know, Clowney's back, but Clowney... Clowney, to me, is an up-and-down player. I, I don't think Clowney is a great player. I think Clowney is a splash player based on tape study. So they've had some issues, um, you know, and, and they've really had a hard time stopping the run inside. And I think, you know, what's happened is their, their safeties have to get involved. They started to play a lot of big nickel, where they play three safeties as opposed to three, line, three linebackers. You know, we'll see if they do that. They could end up against the Bills being in nickel the whole game. And their nickel has had Newsom moving inside um, with Ward and the rookie Emerson on the outside. And I think if uh, you go after Emerson, I think you got to go after Emerson if that's the case. And is, is there any philosophy that you would think needs to take place for the Bills in this game? Obviously, Josh and, and the passing be the centerpiece. But is there a shift or something you'd like to see them explore that they have? Well, Ad, I mean, we've talked about, you know, the, the screen game is non-existent, yeah. the, the short – and they started out the season. They yeah. were very efficient. They didn't go down the field. They were doing the release passes, very, you know, shorter passing game. And then, you know, I think since the game when they snapped a couple of huge plays off, all of a sudden they stopped using the possession passing game as a weapon, or at least yeah. as much as they did. you know, again, it comes down to philosophy. and everybody has a different philosophy and there's no right or wrong. One thing you don't, I'm just saying what you don't see very often with the Bills passing game is you don't see a lot of what, what I would call combination routes. I think, Steve, there's a lot of individual isolation routes where they expect guys essentially to win, you know, and obviously Diggs is one of the best receivers in the league. He can win, you know, I'm not sure all the other guys can win with that kind of needed consistency. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, maybe what I'd like to see, and Ken Dorsey, if he's listening, might tell me I'm an idiot. Maybe I am. But I would like to see more, you know, things like stack, bunch, rub, picks, you know, things that help receivers and then help your quarterback because it defines reads and throws really quickly. Um, so, you know, those are the kinds of things, Steve, you don't see a lot with the Bills pass game. And it looks like Greg Newsom, Greg, is a question mark. He got into a collision in practice today. He's now listed oh. as questionable. He may go into concussion protocol. Uh, if he does, there's no way he's going to be ready in time for the no, game. No. There's no word on whether he's been put in the protocol yet. They're, they were evaluating in post-practice. Uh, so if he doesn't go, you already mentioned Emerson and how he would be the guy to pick on. Now you're talking about putting Greedy Williams on the field, too, and Nickel. So well, they also they've been playing green. This kid green, so he may. I don't know what they would do at that point. Because, yeah, AJ Green. Yeah, he he's when they've gone dime, he's been the fourth corner. Okay. So, uh, so I don't know if he becomes the third corner now. If indeed Newsom cannot go. Yeah, right. it'll be yeah. interesting. 
Right. One of the other, the other the other things that we're talking about here is the shuffling around. Uh, what what effects do you see when Tremaine Edmonds is not on the field? Greg Rousseau is going to yeah. Well, certainly every team is affected by really good players who who aren't out there. Mike Jordan Poyer, uh, Greg Rousseau, and of right. course Tremaine Edmonds. That's right down the center of the Bills. For Rousseau. Yeah, and I think in this case the the run defense will obviously be critical um, because. Uh, you know, who they're playing against. I mean, they're going to get a heavy dose of Nick Chubb and, and Chubb is, I mean, this is a really good back, you know, Chubb is Chubb has a body type that would suggest he'd be kind of a sustaining grinder, but he's really explosive. You know, he, he breaks tackles and is explosive and fast and can reaccelerate. You know, I, I had a conversation year, a number of years ago at the combine with Fred Taylor, the former great back of the mm. Jaguars and he talked to me about reaccelerating, and I, I've never forgotten that conversation. And Chubb is a great example of that. He can run inside and get hit and slow down, and then all of a sudden there's a burst there, and he's gone. So I think, you know, Edmonds being not in this game, and I know he's been officially ruled out, um, you know, that's a big factor. You know, Dotson is going to have to play at a really high level, particularly in the run game. And, you know, he's a big guy, Dotson. He's probably, what, Brownie, 245-ish? He's a big guy. Yeah, um, he's thick. Yeah, he's thick. But he's going to have to play really well. He's going to have to key and diagnose really well. He's going to have to react quickly. You know, because you know how it is in the run game in the NFL. You know, you take one wrong step. It all all it takes is 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 fractions. You know, fractions matter in the NFL. You take a half step that's wrong, and you set yourself up to be blocked. So he's going to be an important player in this game for the Bills defense, Dotson. Yeah, combining right. what you were saying about the Browns not being an offense that usually has a lot of explosive plays in the pass game, I know Steve always talks to you about how teams cannot pry the Bills out of their nickel defense. Yeah. But this particular week, with as much 12 personnel as the Browns play and Chubb being the focal point of their offense, I wonder if Leslie sprinkles in a little base well, defense just here and there. Then the question to me is, Who's the third linebacker? Because to me, it would have to be AJ Klein. Yeah, I think it could be not Bernard because essentially Bernard is 220 pounds. So you might as well play Teron Johnson, the really good run defender. Anyway, I think he's a terrific run defender given his size because essentially he plays in the box at times. So, so to me, it shouldn't be Bernard. If you're going to go three linebackers, you know, if they line up in 12 or 13 personnel, because I think, isn't Njoku supposed to be back this week? He's questionable. He's, yeah, he he's was, impossible. He was asked if he's going to play, and he said, that's my plan. So he's so planning let's say to play. he plays. You're going to see 13 personnel, Brownie, as well, right. not just 12. So if you want to go three linebackers, we know A.J. Klein knows the system. He's been there. So it's not a matter of getting him up to speed, you know, so – if you're going to go three linebackers, to me, it should be Klein as the third backup. Yeah, we were asking right. about him today, and they said they got materials in his hands. They had to cancel practice today, but they said we'll see where he is at the end of the week. But we had Micah Hyde on before you, and he knows AJ, and he says that wouldn't surprise me if he could be ready Sunday. So okay. yeah. have we? It seen, may happen. <laughs> yeah, have we seen enough of Buffalo's defense to know even how well they could play with three linebackers on there? We don't, you know, well, you don't, we don't really know. I mean, the yeah. last time the last time I remember them playing significantly with three linebackers was last year against New England. Yeah, 
And yeah, <laughs> I mean, but isn't that about right? I don't. Yeah, care. they don't, don't right. ever do it. Yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll do it in short yardage and goal line right, when the, right, you right. know. I but mean, but yeah. yeah, but out in the field and a regular down and distance, they you can't get them out out of that nickel defense. No, no. But but Brownie makes a good point. I mean, if if Cleveland's going to line up consistently in twelve and thirteen personnel and try to grind the football. You know, you, you may need it. And, and I love Teron Johnson. You know that. I think oh, yeah. So do I we. think he's one of the best nickel corners in the league. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's not 235 pounds. Yeah. Well, Greg, that's true. Yeah. Greg, thanks as always uh, for all the insight. Enjoy this game. You got any other games you got your eye on this week that, uh, you know, I'm actually really excited. Your list? I'm, I'm excited. You know, I don't want the Bills Mafia to get mad at me, but I'm excited this <laughs> game got moved because, you know, why I like seeing players play to their their true physical traits so now indoors where weather is not a factor you're going to see that happen i'm not a big fan of you know rain games or snow games i know a lot of people are and maybe in buffalo you guys are but i like to see the players play to their highest athletic traits so i'm i'm actually pretty excited about this one i agree i i agree with you on that i do like the the occasional snow game but um the, the tv people love it yeah, right. I, know. I mean, they, they, CBS is probably bummed that this game's getting moved out of Buffalo because they don't get the scene that they had for the Colts Bills game five years ago or seven right, years right. ago. So, uh, because of that, you know, the games don't get moved, but this one, it was a public safety issue rather than, right, rather than the team. I mean, yeah, certainly they getting, can, they can clear the field getting, off easy. Yeah. If, if you're getting six feet of snow and plus you got to clean the stadium. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. That doesn't take 10 minutes. Well, it's not a, the stadium. It's the park. It's not even the stadium so much as the parking lots. Yeah. That too. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, there's just not enough. And plus the city is going to get hit by this. Sometimes the city does escapes it, but if so, they can use resources from other places to help them do the job of getting the stadium right. ready, but they, right. that's out of the question this time because of the way the storm hit. Yeah. All right, Greg. Thanks as always. Enjoy that game, and we'll catch up with you next week. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, right. Greg. That's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, also co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show. We'll take a break. Be back with more here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Caskey with you here on a Friday and the OBL Friday fan mailbag is open. We're going to get to some of those questions now. And we begin with Nick. And Nick asks, did anything specific cause Josh to revert to his hero ball days? It seemed like he had developed past that years ago before it randomly resurfaced a few weeks ago. I, I think that is an accurate description of you know, a way to describe what happened the last two games, Steve. I think we all agree there were times where he was forcing the ball down the field a little bit when he had checkdowns available to him, both against the Jets and against the Vikings last week. But Josh, to his credit, being the self-aware guy that he is, this Wednesday even said, I'm just trying to be the best quarterback I can for my team. I'm trying to make as many plays as I can. Did I step over the line a couple of times? Perhaps. So I think he's reviewed the film. And I think after two games of seeing how detrimental it can be when you do try to force things. And we heard Ken Dorsey on Monday, Steve, say, hey, we've reemphasized to him that he's got to trust the guys around him to make plays as well. I'd like to believe that it's gotten through to him that 
hey, you know what? I don't have to do everything. But you pointed it out earlier this week, and I thought it was a sharp point on your part. He's out there. The lead is dwindling. His defense is all beat up with injuries, and they don't have a lot of players in the starting lineup. It's almost like he inherently, as the leader of the team, feels he has to do more. Yeah, I think he he knows he's got to be the guy that sets the tone. And and let's face it, the, the offense runs through him. Um, he knows that. Um, and I think there are times, there's no question there are times when he trusts his arm more than more than he should. But um, I think, yeah, I think sometimes he gets too impatient. I think that's more than more of what it is than anything. I think yeah. his patience wears thins. He's tired of taking the, the check downs. He's tired of taking the easy completions. And I think that sometimes comes back to get him. I think he wants to win the game in that moment and he's going to do it instead of giving himself three more chances to do it. And I think that that's more than anything. What grabs him is his, his own impatience uh, with, you know, the move in the football or what have, you know, taking the, taking the, you know, taking this easy completion and hoping something makes something happen. Right. I'll say this. One other thing that I just came to me when I was talking about this. If somebody, somebody would catch one of those check downs and go the distance, maybe once in a while, he wouldn't feel like he'd have to throw it 90 yards instead of throwing it eight yards and having it go 98 yards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If somebody, if he had somebody on the field, that would snap off a long run and a big play on an easy completion, maybe he'd be more willing to take it. But, yeah. you know, we don't see that very often. Ehorst from the fan mailbag asks, I think you were right last week when you talked about the Bills not replacing Beasley and that being one of the reasons for Josh's INTs. I don't know that we said it was the reason for his INTs. It was just a guy that would help keep the offense on schedule. Beasley was usually free if the wide receivers were covered. Can that be corrected? And do you think Ken Dorsey can change his calls to shorter throws? I don't think it's a matter of changing your calls to shorter throws. There are progressions on every pass play called. That's number one. Number two, Steve and I are afforded the ability to watch the all 22 tape of each game. And we've said it on the air multiple times. There are guys running open underneath. Josh just has chosen to bypass them to try to push the ball down the field, sometimes in an ill-advised yeah, fashion. Not, yeah, not all the time, but enough of times that you would like to see him take it more than than have the ball, you know, stuck in his hand I or throwing it down the field. But, um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I don't have a problem with the play calls uh, from Ken Dorsey at this moment. Um, I, I certainly, you can look back and say, what were you doing on the quarterback sneak, you know, giving him the tip off that, Gabe Davis was behind him. that. Yeah. But that's, um, that was a blown exchange anyway, more so than a bad play call as well. Uh, you got to think Josh is going to at least get it out of the end zone. If they can just make the exchange, they couldn't get it done. That's a problem. Um, but for the most part, yeah, the, the one you saw the last interception there, uh, for the bills. Yeah. Devin Singletary's off to his right, hit him and hit him quick and give him a chance to get eight yards, 10 yards, maybe even a first down. But he chose to try and throw this really tough throw down the middle of the field and Patrick Peterson's waiting on it. So it's, that was a problem. Uh, but those are like Greg Cosell just told us, he, those plays he thinks, and I would agree with him. 
he thinks that they're aberrations. Those are like one-off plays that are, that are happening to Josh. They're not indicative of how well he's playing. The guy is leading the league in total yards from scrimmage. He's second in the league in passing yards. He's, he's first or second in total touchdowns. He's playing extremely well. Uh, These are aberrations. I think. Travis asks, no question, just a comment. Last year, fans complained we were too conservative and lost games, settling for field goals in the red zone. Now we complain that we aren't taking the check down and being conservative in the red zone. Last year, why run? We can't. This year, why aren't we running? Um, I understand where you're coming from, Travis. When you know, Welcome we, to social media, Travis. Yeah, and when we say it, <laughs> when we say it on the, we say it on the show all the time. If it didn't work, you should have done the other thing. And that's yeah. how that's how the commentary is often going to run, especially when there's a loss. So, I, I think, and, and just so it's clear, I have no problem with them being aggressive. I, I welcome it because to me, they have the talent to be aggressive, and they should be aggressive. But as Coach Dorsey always says, be aggressive, but be smart at the same time. There's a difference between being aggressive and being reckless. And I think you could at least make the argument that a couple of the interceptions in recent weeks by Josh were borderline reckless based on the coverage and what he had at his disposal across the field. Yeah. And I get it too. You get late in these games or you get into overtime in some of these games and you're thinking, you know, you gotta, you gotta make, make it play. Um, You know, the bills go down uh, with the sec with the only possession they're going to get in overtime. And there's a level of anxiety and, and, you know, certainly you can say now that, you know, he threw the interception that, Somebody's got to get in Josh here and says, Hey, take a deep breath. We got time to do this. Uh, if we score a touchdown here, the game's over. Don't worry about, you know, making it all in one play. We've got plenty of time. Those kind of coaching tips that even for a guy like Josh has been in the league five years, he's been in the conversation for MVP for three of them. And, you know, those guys need to hear that once in a while, because they get caught up in the moment uh, and the, and the play calls and the matchups and they start to get wound up in their own personality. I'm, and I, like I said, sometimes it seems like Josh is a little impatient in moments like that. We called it hero ball. We called sugar high Josh, all of that stuff. Somebody's got to be there to tell him to get back to his spot where he was, where he said it was amazing in that Chiefs game uh, when he throws four touchdown passes to Gabe Davis that he just felt so calm and relaxed the whole time. Uh, somebody needs to talk him into that mindset. And I'm, I'm not saying that. He's out of his mind anytime, but you, you know, you got to make sure of that if you're a head coach, you got to make sure your number one guy yeah. is more than often than not right where he wants to be to play his best. And I think some of the reasons why you see fans asking, Hey, why aren't we running is because they've had big second half leads. And at that point, people are like, Hey, let's shorten this game. Let's salt it away and run the football because we get to run clock at the same time. And they have not been able to do that the last couple of weeks. And that's a concern because you're snatching defeat from the jaws of victory the last couple of weeks. Now the turnovers have been the biggest inhibitor in that situation, but not being able to run the football with any degree of consistency at the end of games, when the team, when the opponent knows you want to run, 
it is a concern. Greg Cosell brought it up, you know, and that guy watches more film than anybody. Why aren't they running? Why aren't they running? You know, there are instances you're up by 17. Maybe run the ball a little bit more, but the effectiveness of that run game has kind of compromised that approach at times. Yeah, nobody would be complaining about anything if they had not turned the football over, um, even punting in those situations. Uh, but turning it over gives the other team a chance. Uh, the Bills beat the Green Bay Packers by 10 points, and they turned it over twice in the second half. That's unbelievable uh, that they were able to do that. Um, the Jet game, uh, you ran into a team that played extremely well, but, you know, interceptions you know that it's a it's a problem um and of course the the minnesota game speaks for itself you turned it over four times um that's a problem if you want to if you want to make them better don't worry about the run pass or you know running the ball better or passing the ball better whatever worry about turning it over if they don't turn it over they don't get beat it's that's and to me it's that simple at this point of the season yeah Nate asks, what is your game prediction if the game took place in Buffalo versus the game taking place in Detroit? Um, That's interesting because it's not supposed to snow here on Sunday. So really the field conditions conceivably would be okay. So you are pretty much talking two teams playing each other straight up. I, I, I think it was supposed to be windy on Sunday, though, 15 to 25 miles per hour, if I remember right, looking at the forecast earlier in the week. So does that change all that much here compared to Detroit? I don't I don't know that it does. Yeah, I, I think it does. The guys are going to be wearing normal, you know, normal layers. Maybe the guys will go sleeveless won't have any base layers on underneath their pads or their, or their pants or anything like that. They'll, it'll feel like they're playing uh, in practicing inside in here in Buffalo. Um, they'll be able to throw it and run it however they want. The ball, the kicking game won't be affected at all. The ball handling won't be affected at all here in Buffalo. You don't know if any of that's going to be true. Yeah. Uh, in Buffalo, you, you know, you think it's going to be, this had a chance and looking like it was going to be a, a six to three football game in Detroit. It could end up being a high scoring game, which I think it will be. I think the bills are going to probably fly in there and be very at ease in their minds. I think they're going to play free and easy. I think it's going to be a, a, I think it's going to be a nice bounce back game for them mentally. I think they'll come out and play extremely well. Now, if they turn it over, they're going to lose, but um, if they don't turn it over, that we're going to see the more like the team we saw in the first couple of weeks of the season. Break time for us here. When we come back, we will wrap things up with the final injury reports for both teams. Those coming your way next here on one bills live. Stay tuned. A game plan presented by United rentals, the exclusive and official construction equipment rental partner, of the Buffalo Bills. Steve, you got the defense. What is what does Buffalo have to do on Sunday? I think they got to do everything they can to put this game in the hands of Jacoby Brissett and the wide receivers. If you can get them out of their game, out of their run game, and make them in third and yard. This this team's done a nice job of it. You can say what you want about their run defense, but they have had and Minnesota's a great example of it. They were in third and long, incredibly 
a, a bunch. They just got to get them off the field when they get to that point. And that's, that's the, that's the key. I think. Yeah. For Buffalo's offense, there's a lot of good matchups that you have to like here. Uh, Denzel Ward is just back from a concussion. Didn't do too badly on Tyreek Hill at times last week. Uh, Diggs is a little bit different kind of receiver. He's a technician. I wonder if Ward can handle that. And I like some of the other matchups because the Browns defense has almost as many injuries as the Bills defense does. Yeah. So I think you just go to your go-to people. And I think Josh should be able to spread the ball around too because I don't think it's just going to be Diggs that's winning on Sunday. I think this, is, this game is really going to be interesting because of the injuries on both sides. You really don't know how either group is going to play yeah. uh, defensively anyway with the new, new defenders. So quickly, injury reports, tight end David Njoku, questionable with an ankle for the Browns. He said he's going to play. We'll see on Sunday. Cornerback Greg Newsom being evaluated for a concussion. He's questionable. If he's in the protocol, he's not going to play. Perry and Winfrey, Michael Dunn, DeAnthony Bell all out for the Browns. Defensive tackle, a backup guard, and a backup safety. For the Bills, Kyer Elam, Reggie Gilliam, Jordan Poyer, all questionable for Sunday. Gilliam is the only ill player who is not a lock to play on Sunday. The other four ill players, all good to go on Sunday. As we found out earlier today, Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds, Greg Rousseau, not going to play on Sunday. And that's pretty much how it looks from an injury perspective. I I don't know why, Steve, but I think the Bills are not going to have a problem scoring points. As long as they take care of Miles Garrett over there. I think they're going to be able to score points. Yeah, I think they're going to have to have a plan for it, no question about it. They will, uh, and you're right. This should be a game where the Bills get back on track offensively, but they got to stop the turnovers, and I think it's a good, great game. If it does turn out like that, maybe they got a chance to gain some confidence. That's it for Steve and I today. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Steve and I will be back at noon on Monday. We'll catch up with you then.